Welcome to this podcast, where you can hear some of the classic teachings of Father Rick Thomas, a Jesuit priest who died in 2006 and who spent his life preaching the gospel and serving the poor. Listen in to his wisdom, insights, and humor. Let's begin by noting those passages we'll look at. Jeremiah 1, 5, John 17, verse 15 to 19, John 18, verse 33 to 39, Matthew 26, 31 to 43, and Matthew 26, 69 to 75, Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5. To repeat those, it's Jeremiah 1, verse 5, John 17, 15 to 19, John 18, 33 to 39, Matthew 26, verse 31 to 43, and verse 69 to 75. Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5. Now, let's think about the different types of bowls that there are in a house. There'll be a bowl for soup. There may be a bowl to feed the cat. There may be a bowl to catch the oil leaking from the motor. And each bowl is set apart for a certain use. It's dedicated for a certain use. The same would be true of knives. There are knives that are set apart for cutting meat. There are knives set apart for cutting fingernails. And any type of scissors or pinchers like that are two knives working together. So the same fingernail cutter, we wouldn't use that for cutting wire. And so each type of knife, hopefully, will be used for that purpose only. And frequently, it's kept in a special place, so it won't be used for anything else. And so there are knives for meat, for cloth, for wire, for fruit, for fingernails, and so forth. And each one is dedicated or separated or put apart for that special use. And so we do the same thing with our clothes. We have clothes that are set apart to put on our upper body, our lower body, our interior clothes, our outer clothes. If we have a number of pairs of shoes, we might have one pair of shoes to play sports in, another pair of shoes to go dress up in, another pair of shoes to do other things in. Okay, so all of these are examples of being dedicated to some purpose or being set apart for some purpose. Now, if it's a religious purpose, then we use the word consecration. It's set apart for a religious purpose. And so we have uh, bowls used at Mass that would be used for that only. They are consecrated to carry, to hold the... uh, elements of the Eucharist. And so there, the chalice and the <clears throat> ciborium are dedicated or set apart or consecrated for that, but it's the same idea of dedication, setting apart, having a special use. And usually those things are put in a special place. We don't have the chalice in the same uh, place we keep the bowl we're going to feed the cat out of. Okay. I think that's clear enough. Now let's look at 
uh, Jeremiah 1.5. God speaking to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, thus. Verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. A prophet to the nations, I appointed you. So Jeremiah is consecrated, dedicated, set apart, appointed to be a prophet or a spokesperson to the nations before he was born. Now, we are also, as we've had in our previous studies, we also know that we are appointed to be God's spokesperson or God's spokespersons. Look at John 17, 15 to 19. In John 17, verse 15 to 19, Jesus is praying to God the Father, and he says, I do not ask you, God the Father, to take them out of the world, them meaning his apostles and disciples, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to guard them from the evil one. They are not of the world any more than I belong to the world. Consecrate them by means of truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. I consecrate myself for their sakes now that they may be consecrated in truth. Now the first thing I'd like to point out here is Jesus is talking about consecration. And that comes up in verse 17. Consecrate them by means of truth. And then again in verse 19, he speaks of consecration. I consecrate myself, for their sakes now, that they may be consecrated in truth. Now, what does consecrate mean? It means being set apart, being appointed, being dedicated, being separated. But because it's for a religious purpose, they, the word consecration is used instead of another word, but it has the same meaning. So, they are dedicated, appointed, separated, set apart, consecrated. Going back to verse 15, Jesus says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. So their consecration will not be by putting in a separate place. And that's what we do with knives that we don't want to be used for everything. We put them where they'll be used just for the one thing, to trim the fingernails or to trim something else. So we ordinarily dedicate or separate or appoint things. One way we do that is to put them in a special place. So we put the cat's bowl down where the cat will get it. But we keep her away from the chalice used at mass by keeping that in a separate place. So we dedicate and consecrate things by putting them in a separate place. Now Jesus says, I don't ask you to put my disciples in a separate place. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. But rather guard them from the evil one. Don't separate them. Guard them. Now, who is the evil one? The evil one is the devil. 
Satan, whom Jesus identifies as the father of lies. The world is where lies and falsehood prevail because it is under the power of the evil one. So Jesus says in verse 15, I don't ask you to take them out of where the liars are or where falsehood is, but I ask you to guard them from the father of lies, the evil one. In verse 16, Jesus says of his disciples, they are not of the world. In other words, they don't belong to the liars or that system that's under the influence of the father of lies. They do not belong, they are not of the world any more than I belong to the world, that is, the realm of lies, falsehood, and liars. In verse 17, Jesus says, Consecrate them by means of truth. Okay, they are to be dedicated or separated or appointed or set apart by truth, not by removal and putting them in a drawer or putting them on a separate planet. They are to be set apart, appointed, dedicated, <coughs> consecrated by means of truth. Now I want to look at that, what that means by means of truth. That can be and should be translated in several ways. By means of truth, by the truth, in the truth, and for the truth. So if you look up different translations, the New American that I'm reading uses by means of truth. The New International has by the truth. The Jerusalem has in the truth. And others would have for the truth. And so it's a very rich preposition. The Greek preposition there is very rich. It means by, in, for, and by means of. And so we are to be separated for the truth. And that's what Jeremiah was appointed to be. He was separated in his mother's womb for the truth because he was to be God's spokesperson. We are separated in the truth as the chalice at Mass would be separated in a special place. It's separated in the drawer, in the wrappings, wherever it's kept. It's separated in its place. And so we are to be separated, consecrated, appointed in truth. Not a place, but a situation where there is no lying, there is no falsity, where there is truth. In verse 18, he says, Father, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. They have the same mission I have. And in verse 19, I consecrate myself, Jesus says. I appoint myself. I separate myself for their sakes now that they may be consecrated. That is, set apart, dedicated, appointed in truth or by the truth. So it is the truth that consecrates us. 
It's truth that consecrates us to God's service. So any kind of falsehood is a taking away of that consecration. So the chalice used at Mass is used is dedicated for holding the precious blood of Jesus. Hopefully that's all it will be used for. If we use it also for uh, drinking iced tea or something, now we have, uh, it's no longer separated just for the one thing. But we are separated, appointed for the truth. Now look at John 18, 33, 33 to 39. Pilate went back into the praetorium and summoned Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own, or have others been telling you about me? I am no Jew, Pilate retorted. It's your own people and chief priests who have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my subjects would be fighting to save me from being handed over to the Jews. As it is, my kingdom is not here. But this Pilate said to him, So then you are a king? Jesus replied, It is you who say I am a king. The reason I was born, the reason why I came into the world, is to testify to the truth. Anyone committed to the truth hears my voice. Truth, said Pilate, what does that mean? After this remark, Pilate went out again to the Jews and said to them, Speaking for myself, I find no case against this man. Here you have a head-to-head conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. And uh, Pilate only knows the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus says in verse 37, The reason I was born, the reason I came into the world, is to testify to the truth. Anyone committed to the truth hears my voice. Now let's look at that, anyone committed to the truth. Now that is translated in different ways in different translations. Anyone committed to the truth, that's the New American. The good news has whoever belongs to the truth. The NIV and the Jerusalem everyone on the side of the truth as if you're taking sides whose side are you on in this game well i'm on our side and they're on the other side so jesus says everyone on the side of the truth hears my voice the new english bible has who all who are not deaf to the truth another one has Phillips has all who love truth so this is speaking about a commitment a belonging a decision a loving of the truth and these individuals hear Jesus voice listen to Jesus voice recognize Jesus' voice. And so what Jesus is speaking about in verse 37 is that they have made a decision for the truth. Jesus is speaking about a conversion to the truth. 
Now we speak about someone having a conversion to Jesus or a conversion to God. If this does not include a conversion to the truth, then it's going to be a futile conversion or a conversion that won't be helpful for everlasting life. So a simple conversion to Jesus is not enough unless it is a conversion to the truth or a decision for the truth. Going on to verse 38, truth, said Pilate, what does that mean? Obviously, he had made a decision for the truth. The truth was not important to him. He hadn't made a decision for the truth. He hadn't committed himself to the truth. He just asked the question, what is truth? And doesn't wait for an answer. After this remark, Pilate went out again to the Jews and said to them, speaking for myself, I find no case against this man. But he has not made a decision for the truth. He's not had a conversion to the truth. He has no love or commitment to the truth. And so he will send Jesus to his death, even though he said he's innocent. And then he will wash his own hands and say, I, Pilate, am innocent. So obviously he has no desire to act on the truth if it's going to cost him anything. Now, when we have a conversion to the truth, of course, it's going to be painful and costly. It will require... Uh, some martyrdom and maybe uh, martyrdom up to the point of death and so the early Christians in the first centuries before the edict of Constantine many of them were asked to worship Caesar or offer incense to the statue of Caesar and they refused to do it because it would be a lie an acted out lie that they thought Caesar was God. And so because of their love of the truth, it cost them their lives. And so the love of the, of the truth could lead us to uh, suffering even to the point of martyrdom. And that certainly wasn't uh, Pilate's frame of mind. Now let us go to Matthew 26, verse 31 to 43. Three. Jesus then said to them, Tonight your faith in me will be shaken, for Scripture has it, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be dispersed. But after I am raised up, I will go to Galilee ahead of you. Peter responded, Though all may have their faith in you shaken, mine will never be shaken. Jesus said to him, I give you my word. Before the cock, cock crows tonight, you will deny me three times. Peter replied, Even though I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went out with them to a place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, Stay here while I go over there and pray. He took along Peter and Zebedee's two sons and began to experience sorrow and distress. Then he said to them, My heart is nearly broken with sorrow. Remain here and stay awake with me. He advanced a little and fell prostrate in prayer. My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass me by. Still let it be as you would have it, not as I. When he returned to his disciples, he found them asleep. He said to Peter, So you could not stay awake with me for even an hour? 
Be on guard and pray that you may not undergo the test. The spirit is willing, but nature is weak. Withdrawing a second time, he began to pray, My father, if this cannot pass me by without my drinking it, your will be done. Once more on his return, he found them asleep. They could not keep their eyes open. Now, look at verse 33. Peter responded, Though all may have their faith in you shaken, mine will never be shaken. Is uh, Peter telling a lie? Is Peter sincere in what he's saying? He is sincere. Is what he's saying based on reality or just what he thinks? It's based on what he thinks, not on the real situation. And... He considers himself stronger than the rest. Although all may have their faith in you shaken, not me. In verse 41, Jesus tells Peter, starting in verse 40, So you cannot stay, stay awake with me for even an hour. Be on guard and pray that you may not undergo the test. The spirit is willing, but nature is weak. So Jesus says, be on guard. Pray that you don't fail the test. And instead of doing that, in verse 43, they go to sleep. Now, read Matthew 26, 69 to 75. Peter was sitting in the courtyard when one of the serving girls came over to him and said, you too were with Jesus the Galilean. He denied it in front of everyone. I do not know what you're talking about. When he went out to the gate, another girl saw him and said to those nearby, This man was with Jesus the Nazorian. Again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. A little while later, some bystanders came over to Peter and said, You are certainly one of them. Even your accent gives you away. At that he began cursing and swore, I do not even know the man. Just then a cock began to crow, and Peter remembered the prediction Jesus had made, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. He went out and began to weep bitterly. Is Jesus telling the tr uh, is uh, Peter telling the truth here? No, he is not. He is lying and he's lying because telling the truth now will cause him suffering so he feels at least they'll laugh at him and put him down and maybe they'd even crucify him but anyway he's afraid of the suffering and so he lies and he lies three times he lies under oath he takes an oath and lies because he's not willing to go undergo the suffering required of someone who's made a decision for the truth, who is committed to the truth, who belongs to the truth, who's on the side of the truth, who loves the truth. Notice this is after uh, Jesus' prayer. Jesus had prayed, I consecrate myself for their sakes now that they may be consecrated in truth. Jesus had prayed, and this is in John 17, 15, as we saw, guard them from the evil one, from the father of lies. 
okay and Jesus had told told them pray that you don't undergo the test that you don't fail the test Peter failed the test in spite of Jesus uh, praying and in spite of Jesus telling him to pray that he not fail the test let's look at Psalm 25 verse 4 and 5 your ways O Lord make known to me teach me your paths guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God my Savior and for you I wait all the day now this is an inspired prayer of the Old Testament asking God teach me the way guide me in truth and that's connected with the second part of verse 5 for you are God my Savior truth is what saves us because it puts us in company with Jesus and those committed to the truth loving the truth recognizing the truth hear Jesus voice this is what Jesus tells Pilate anyone committed to the truth belonging to the truth on the side of the truth who have been converted to the truth who love the truth they hear my voice they listen to me they recognize my voice they obey me so salvation is connected with this conversion to the truth Father says we need to have a conversion to the truth and I've been thinking about that and it's I think it's very key because we can have a conversion to Jesus and that's obviously essential but these disciples spent years with Jesus and when Peter was asked or Peter said he would never disown Jesus but when it came when push came to shove he he began to lie to save his skin to save his hide and I just see that there's a need to be committed to the truth no matter what and to know that that's going to be that's going to be a martyrdom like father says and it's going to cause pain it's going to cause suffering but you have to you have to make that decision that that's what you want to do or else you're just not going to make it when you get tested I still feel like there's something missing when we've come to the decision to seek the truth and to seek Jesus we may feel that we know it all but um, in Christian circles and even in the church among those who are seeking Jesus and seeking the truth there are conflicts between uh, in people who feel that they've come to who have arrived at truth and on the way to truth once you've made the decision to seek the truth we're going to find ourselves making mistakes and in falsehood and when is it that we should be willing to be martyred for the truth we don't know if we really have the truth any truth that we have will be incomplete and partial so there's always room for fuller truth or more complete truth and I think this would be true of any science somebody may be an expert in botany the science of plants and flowers and so forth but 
there's much more to be known than the expert knows. So the expert knows some truth, but it's incomplete. Our knowledge of God is incomplete. Our knowledge of everything is incomplete. So it is a search and a journey. I once took a trip with a friend of mine to Denver in an automobile. And neither one of us had spent a lot of time in Denver before. We found that we had to make a lot of U-turns. We were going in one direction, and then we found out that we were going in the wrong direction, and we had to make a U-turn. And so we made a lot of uh, false turns, not from any desire uh, to get lost or not find what we were looking for, but just from uh, ignorance and lack of experience. So we made a lot of mistakes, but we were still seeking. And as you say, uh, the human condition, the way we are, we make a lot of mistakes. And through our mistakes, we learn. We learn this was a mistake going this direction. And hopefully we don't make that mistake again. If we make it again, hopefully we won't make it the third and the fourth time. And so our condition is to seek the truth but never uh, find it completely. We find it partially and we keep going. It's like a long journey. And you're closer after you've traveled the time than you were when you started. But you still have not arrived and we will not have the complete truth until we're face to face with God. Now, with regard, when should you die for the truth? Well, some things are worth dying for and others are not. So it's, it's certainly not worth dying for some of the disputes that go on. So one side has one opinion, one side has the other opinion, but it's not worth dying for. It may not even be worth the paper to write something contrary to what the other person thinks because it's not really not all that consequential. I'd like to say something again about consecration or dedication or being set apart in that reading from Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 God said I have set you apart I have consecrated you I have dedicated you to be my spokesperson and because he's going to be God's spokesperson that therefore his whatever he says in the name of God has to be pure truth no admixture of other things and so Jesus in these passages from John say says Jesus says you are consecrated for the truth you're consecrated by the truth you're consecrated in the truth you're set apart now what does that say about somebody consecrating their home to the sacred heart we're going to consecrate our home and our family to the sacred heart. Well, I would say, is this going to be a superficial consecration or is it going to get down to truth is going to reign in this home? We're going to be very careful of any falsehood. and Therefore, we're going to be monitor the television and the radio and the media very closely because they're full of falsehood. And if the consecration, a religious consecration, 
doesn't go hand in hand with a love of truth and a commitment to the truth, then it's a pretty shallow consecration. That's what it appeared to me after uh, thinking about what Jesus says about it. It would appear to me then that consecration is a much deeper thing than simply saying I am consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I'm consecrated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. If it's going to be more than just lip service, then it's going to have to be, I would think, a commitment and a conversion to the truth. Otherwise, the consecration itself will be false and counterfeit. It will be a counterfeit consecration. Uh, yeah, in um, Jeremiah 1, verse 5, Yahweh is talking to Jeremiah and says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you came to birth, I consecrated you. And that's the truth. And I need to return back to the truth because that's where the truth is. I was being for, by, in, and consecrated to the truth, committed to the truth, even before I was born. And any time I go off the road, go astray, or lie, or not be in the truth, then I must go back and return to where I came from, and that is, before that I was born, I was consecrated to the truth. And when I go back to that, then I am in the truth. Exactly. This reminds me of the example we start off with by different knives being dedicated for different purposes. There are uh, special shears used for uh, cutting hair or cutting cloth or trimming uh, grapevines. But if you use these instruments for something other than they are uh, they're intended for, of course they become very dull or perhaps useless. So if you use hair scissors for cutting the grapevines, very quickly they won't work for either one, for either purpose. So we are dedicated for God's purposes. And when we don't do what we're dedicated for, of course everything gets balled up nothing works and we have to go back to the beginning and say what was this thing made for what was it dedicated to it's been doing all kinds of things and been used for all kinds of things that it's not set apart to do and so it's become injured and useless perhaps so we have to go back as you say to what was I consecrated for a few months ago there was a rally at one of the high schools in El Paso at night and the speaker was encouraging the youth present to accept Jesus and this speaker kept saying you don't have to change your life at all don't worry about that just accept Jesus and that's enough well this is uh, false because you cannot accept Jesus on your terms you don't have to change your life. You just accept Jesus. He accepts you the way you are, and you don't have to change. Well, this is false, false, false. And one of the things we have to change, of course, is our commitment to truth rather than falsehood. Commenting on what, what Father just said, Paul writes to the Ephesians, 
in verse or in chapter 4 verse 20 to 24 that is not how you learn Christ assuming that you have heard of him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus that you should put away the old self of your former way of life corrupted through the deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on a new self created in God's way in righteousness and and holiness of truth the only way we will come to know the truth is by changing from the way we were to become the likeness of God. Jesus said, if, if you remain in my words, you'll, be, you'll truly become my disciple, and the truth will set you free. It's the action of changing from the old to the new that brings us to the truth. The new being seeking God and not our old ways. There's a formula that some people use that if you just say these certain words and you've accepted Jesus into your heart, that you're honky-dory, you're okay with God, and that's not the truth. Paul said, you need to work out your salvation. Salvation is an action, it's not just a word. It's a, you have to do something, and seeking the truth is doing something. End of this. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Father Thomas, go to fatherrickthomas.com. God bless you and have a beautiful day.